Hello and welcome to another episode of Film Music Friday. I am your host, Aaron Smale, and before we launch right into today's topic, I want to thank all those who tuned in to last week's episode on my top 10 scores of the 2010s, and for all those who gave and continue to give me feedback and compliments, thank you, it's very much appreciated. On today's episode of Film Music Friday, we are delving into the music of John Williams and his score to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade from 1989. First, however, I want to give everyone some background on John Williams and some examples of his previous work and the films he's worked on. John Towner Williams, born February 8, 1932, is an American composer, pianist, conductor, and trombonist. He is regarded by many as the greatest film composer of all time, having composed some of the most iconic and popular themes in cinema in a career spanning over 60 years. His accolades include 25 Grammy Awards, 7 BAFTAs, 5 Academy Award wins from 52 nominations. 52! Just to speed things along here, I'm going to list a few of the most popular films that Williams has scored, along with their main themes so you can recognize them, because chances are you will. Jaws Star Wars. Superman. E.T. The Extraterrestrial Raiders of the Lost Ark Jurassic Park Schindler's List and the first three Harry Potter films.
Essentially, if you have a favorite movie that's from 1970 to 2010, chances are John Williams scored it. And I only say up to 2010 because compared to previous decades, in the last 10 years, he scored less films than previously. But even still, he scored 11 films from 2010 to 2019, which is amazing. I mean, the guy's 88 years old, and he's not done yet by any means. He's actually on track to score Indiana Jones 5, which is set to release sometime in 2022. He might even be working on it as we speak. Williams' themes are iconic because they're memorable, and the orchestrations and arrangements are so rich in color, they just throw you into the world of the film. Today we're looking at his score to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which is probably my favorite score of his for reasons you'll know by the end of this episode. More importantly, however, it's a great example of the traditional scoring method that Williams employs so successfully in his films. I'm going to give some background on the main plot points for Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, so massive spoiler alert if you haven't seen it yet, I guess, but also it's been out for over 30 years, so I feel like that's a bit of a strange alert to issue. Anyway, it's the third installment in the Indiana Jones series after Raiders of the Lost Ark and the Temple of Doom. In The Last Crusade, we're introduced to Indiana Jones' father, Henry Jones Sr., played by the late Sir Sean Connery. This proves to be one of the main relationships in the film, which is interesting because it's a father-son relationship as opposed to a typical love interest relationship. The beginning of the film shows us a sort of origin story as we see the late River Phoenix playing Indy as a young teenager in his first adventure out in Utah in 1912, and the beginnings of his becoming Indiana Jones as we know him. Throughout the film's main plot, which in the present, 1938, involves the discovery that Henry Jones Sr. has disappeared. Indy finds out through an American named Walter Donovan that his father was searching for the Holy Grail, the cup that allegedly caught Jesus Christ's blood during the crucifixion, and for the film's purposes, it's said that anyone who drinks from the Grail will have eternal life. So Indy heads to Venice, Italy with his friend Marcus Brody, and there he meets Dr. Elsa Schneider, who had been working with Henry Jones Sr. on his quest for the Grail when he disappeared. After a boat chase, Indy finds out that his father is being held in a castle in Austria, and after rescuing his father, Indy teams up with Henry, Marcus, and their friend Sala, who was last seen in Raiders of the Lost Ark, in a race against the Nazis to find the Holy Grail, bringing Indy and his father closer together in the process. It's adventure, it's thrilling, it's fun, and the music accompanying it all is enthralling. I believe the main focus for this score is William's use of leitmotifs. And if you'll remember from episode 1, a leitmotif is a recurring or leading theme written for a specific character, place, object, or event. And they're often altered by changing tempo or instrumentation to reflect the changes in the character's mood or the changing circumstances of an event. So instead of going through the film scene by scene, which we wouldn't have time for anyway, I'm going to highlight the main leitmotifs used in the film and where they come up in the film chronologically. We're also going to take a look at a couple of key scenes where the music occurring isn't one of the main leitmotifs, but where new themes are introduced or brought back from a previous Indiana Jones film. Alright, let's listen to some music. The first leitmotif is the Cross of Coronado theme. The Cross of Coronado is the object that Indy sees bandits lift from the cave in Utah in one of the opening scenes of the film. Listen for the theme here. (laughs) 
So note first off that it's not a long winding melody here, and pretty much all the leitmotifs we'll explore are similar in length. And if you'll notice, it has a bit of a Spanish feel to it. Why? Because it's the Cross of Coronado, named after Spanish conquistador Francisco Vázquez de Coronado, who led expeditions from present-day Mexico up through the southwestern U.S. to about present-day Kansas. So John Williams could have just come up with a melody out of thin air, but he goes the extra mile, even with this little leitmotif, to give it some authenticity. It occurs again after Indy's taken it from the bandits and is on the chase when he puts the cross in his belt before jumping on his horse, which comically moves out of the way as he tries to jump on the saddle. It's illustrated musically with this cue. Just shows that the little details can make all the difference. After Indy manages to escape the bandits after a long chase scene involving a circus train, he gets back home to his father where we hear the grail theme for the first time, more on that in a bit. While home, the town sheriff shows up with the bandits, and Indy's demanded to hand the cross of Coronado over to them, and he then sees a man in a white suit and Panama hat outside his window take it. We then flash forward to the future on a boat off the Portuguese coast where Indy is once again in the present 1938 trying to acquire the cross of Coronado from none other than the same guy in the Panama hat. So the second leitmotif is Panama Hat's theme, briefly heard in the previous piece of music, but mainly in this piece here called the boat scene. We also hear the Cross of Coronado theme each time it's on screen in this scene, which once again shows us a key factor in Williams's logical scoring method. The third leitmotif is the Holy Grail theme, which is the theme that plays when the Holy Grail is referenced. In Venice, when Indy, Elsa, and Marcus Brody are looking in the library-slash-converted church where Indy's father was last seen, Indy and Elsa roam the catacombs looking for the knight's tomb, one of the knights of the Last Crusade who died on his way back to Europe from what is now the Middle East. His tomb in the film is depicted as being beneath this old church. When they discover the knight's tomb, Indy is able to get a rubbing of the knight's shield, which tells the location of the grail by starting at a particular ancient city and going east. The name of the ancient city is called Alexandretta, present-day Eskenderun in Turkey. So this is the grail theme here in this cue titled, Ah, Rats! Because there are thousands of rats in these catacombs too. This theme is used a lot in the film, which makes total sense. I mean, the Holy Grail is why we're all here. Why Indy's looking for his dad, who was looking for the Grail, and we find out later that the Nazis are looking for the Grail too. Right after we hear the Grail theme, we then hear the fourth leitmotif in my list, Henry's theme, the theme for Indy's father. His theme and the Grail theme are somewhat interconnected because part of what Indy explains at times up until this point is that Henry's life has been devoted to the search for the Holy Grail. It's his life's work and his obsession, and so through his passion musically, his theme is linked in a way to the Grail theme. This is Henry's theme on its own. 
so it's a little longer, a little more musically involved, as it should be to represent the complexities of Henry the individual character. In this particular scene in the catacombs, Indy and Elsa find the knight's shield, and as Indy is making a rubbing on paper to reveal the location of the ancient city, he's explaining his father Henry's devotion of the quest to Elsa, and this is how the music follows in the scene. so wonderful how the two separate themes go together so succinctly. We hear more iterations of both of these themes as the film progresses. After they uncover the tomb and all, Indy and Elsa are chased out of the catacombs by an unknown group of men, and at the end of the chase, Indy confronts their leader named Kazim, who explains that he is part of the Brothers of the Cruciform Sword, a brotherhood whose sworn duty is to protect the secret location of the Holy Grail. Indy explains that he just wants to find his father, and Kazim tells Indy that he's being held in a castle in Austria. So a scene or two later, Indy and Elsa head to this Austrian castle, and Indy rescues his father from whom he now knows to be the Nazis. In a twist of events, Indy and Henry are caught by Nazi Colonel Vogel, and Indy finds out that Elsa was with the Nazis the whole time. Indy and Henry are then taken to a large dining hall in the castle, where they meet the true architect of their situation. Walter Donovan. So, Donovan's a Nazi, Elsa's a Nazi, and though Marcus has the map leading to the location of the Grail, the Nazis initiate a search to get the map from him. Indy and his father are then tied up in chairs with ropes, not killed, because if the Nazis can't get the map, they'll have to get the information out of Henry and Indy eventually. So, when Marcus is captured in Eskenderun by the Nazis, we hear our fifth leitmotif, the Crusade Nazi theme, heard here in this track titled, Marcus is Captured. Again, this theme comes up a lot from here on out, pretty much whenever the Nazis are on screen. After Indy and Henry escape the castle by motorcycle and sidecar, a scene which has amazing music to accompany and one we'll come back to, they head to Berlin to get Henry's grail diary from Elsa. They leave Berlin on a blimp or an airship, but not before Colonel Vogel is alerted to their presence. The sixth motif, Keeping Up with the Joneses, is heard when they make their escape from a small biplane attached to the bottom of the airship. Soon after, we hear it in the track titled, Keeping Up with the Joneses. It's one of the less present motifs for sure, but it's there nevertheless. The last motif isn't really heard until after they all make their way to the location leading to the Grail, Indy, Henry, and their friend Sala, who is also along to help by this point. There's a lot of plot to cover here, so bear with me. The Nazis are following the map acquired from Marcus Brody to the location of the Grail, with Marcus riding in tow against his will. After a gunfight between the Nazis and more brothers of the Cruciform Sword, the Nazis put Marcus in their tank, commanded by Colonel Vogel. Henry tries to rescue Marcus, only to be captured himself, and after another chase, Indy rescues Henry and Marcus from the tank. 
Then, while Sala gets Henry off the tank on horseback, Indy has a fistfight with Colonel Vogel, now the only two left alive on the tank, and it hurtles off a cliff, killing Vogel in the wreckage. Henry, Sala, and Marcus are left looking over the cliff to see if Indy survived, and just when they are resigned to the fact that he may be dead, Indy emerges and joins them in looking over the cliff. Then Henry realizes his son is still with them, and they embrace to this music the father and son theme heard in the track titled Canyon of the Crescent Moon. So, those are the main light motifs John Williams employs in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. These are important to note, I feel, because essentially, in addition to a lot of musical filler and other original themes unique to the situations they are accompanying, Williams is able to sprinkle these themes throughout the score whenever necessary. They fill in a lot of potential gaps in the score with the method that he uses. That method is essentially creating leitmotifs for frequent characters, objects, events, etc. that allow for distribution throughout the film score based on the presumption that each time the relevant character, object, event shows up on screen, the corresponding leitmotif in the music accompanies it. Mm -hmm. This method or concept isn't John Williams' original idea. It did exist before and well before this movie. But Williams uses the method so well, and when you understand and know the leitmotifs, it makes watching the film that much more enjoyable and interesting. I recently had the opportunity to watch The Last Crusade on the big screen at the local movie theater here in Victoria. It was such a fantastic experience. You know, I'd seen it a million times growing up, on DVD, on TV when it would come on, but never in an actual movie theater. I actually picked up on more of the movie, both musically and just in some lines I wasn't ever really hearing. It was very cool. One of the new things I picked up on occurred when Indy and Elsa are in the catacombs beneath Venice looking around. Before they get to the tomb, they come across some cave-like drawings or etchings on the walls. The first ones, they say, are pagan symbols, and then they turn a corner and they see another drawing, this time of the Ark of the Covenant, as in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Indy says, the Ark of the Covenant. Elsa goes, are you sure? He says, I'm sure, as in, yeah, I would know, I spent a whole previous movie chasing it. But while they have this little exchange, the music playing underneath is the Ark theme from the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first Indiana Jones movie. It's such a small, small detail, but it makes perfect sense. It's in line with Williams' method. He wrote a theme for the Ark in the first movie, and here the Ark is again on screen in this movie. So why shouldn't the Ark theme accompany it? This is the Ark theme here. It's like a little musical easter egg, which perhaps the majority of audiences wouldn't have noticed, but he put it in there for a completely logical reason, and that's the level of dedication Williams has to his work. It's unparalleled, in my opinion. As I said earlier, I wanted to highlight the music that plays when Indy and Henry escape the castle in Austria by motorcycle and sidecar. The music is called Scherzo for Motorcycle and Orchestra. Now a scherzo, spelled S-C-H-E-R-Z-O, is a classical music term meaning a musical joke. 
So right away we know this piece is going to be light and comedic. The scenes it accompanies are sort of bumbling in a way, as their escape has this interesting mix of life or death but also fun and games, which is perfectly communicated in this piece, I feel. Endlessly entertaining. It's actually my favorite music from this movie. Funny that it's not one of the leitmotifs and all. I remember as a kid watching it and listening to the music, it always stayed with me. It's so easy to recall and whistle or hum. I love it. The last sequence I want to highlight from this film is the finale. After everything has gone down with the Holy Grail, which I won't go over exactly what happens in case you haven't seen it, but the finale music cue happens after Elsa has caused the temple to collapse and a big chasm opens up in the floor. Elsa's hanging off the edge, one hand in Indies, who's holding onto her, and her other hand is reaching for the grail itself, which is caught on a ledge. She tries to reach it, but Indy loses his grip, and she falls into the chasm, lost forever. And then the ground beneath Indy shifts, so now he is in the same position, but it is Henry who is holding onto him from above. He, too, has one hand in Henry's and the other reaching for the grail, trying to help his dad recover the thing that he has been searching for his whole life, his obsession, the reason they have a complicated father-son relationship. Indy says, I can reach it, Dad. But Henry says, Indiana, let it go. And this is the music that plays out underneath the rest of the scene. Listen for how many of the leitmotifs, which we now know, play in sequence. So in case you didn't get them all, we have the father-son theme right after Henry says let it go, and then we have a bit of Indy's theme, and then the Holy Grail theme once as Henry sees the Grail Knight standing in the distance, then it's repeated a fourth higher when the Grail Knight waves at him. Modulating the theme a fourth higher is commonly done to show that the story or theme has gone somewhere, that the characters involved, in this case Henry, are transformed, as we see he is. Then as they leave the temple, we hear Henry's theme. So imagine, you had this scene to score at the end of the movie, but now pretty much every major melodic moment is already kind of done for you, because you already wrote the themes. That cue is quite literally one leitmotif after the other. The genius is in how Williams connects them and arranges them to come back again and again, slightly different each time, so that nothing actually sounds recycled at all. 
Again, I say all this because I find this knowledge just makes what I already thought to be an amazing movie even better. Of course, I couldn't possibly talk all this time about Indiana Jones without playing the Raiders' March, or Indy's theme, his leitmotif, if you will. This is how we hear it at the end of The Last Crusade. Goosebumps every time. Such a great theme. Well, folks, this has been an in-depth look at John Williams' score to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I hope you learned a thing or two about film scoring through this analysis, and as always, if you like hearing me talk about film music on Fridays, be sure to follow on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and share widely on social media. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay well, my friends. This has been Film Music Friday the Podcast, and I am your host, Aaron Smale. Thanks for listening. <laughs>